Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here and once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners, podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, but I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's probably something much deeper that you're not likely even aware of yet. It's like a client that comes to you saying that they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGuru's Agency Freedom Session, where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your agency freedom session today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, agency owners, podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with Bob Ruffalo from Impact. Uh, Impact is a company focused on helping people find success with inbound marketing through education events and agency services. Uh, In 2017, Impact was recognized as HubSpot's partner agency of the year. They've actually received that award two years in a row. They also have been awarded as one of the best places to work in 2017. They have over 78 employees at their agency doing over $10 million a year in annual revenues. Bob, welcome to the program. Awesome, Brian. I'm so glad to be here, man. So, Bob, uh, I told our audience a little bit about your agency. Can you kind of just give me an idea of, you know, I said you have a team of 78, et cetera, but just kind of paint us a more in-depth picture of your agency right now. Yeah, so um, we, you know, just like many other HubSpot partner agencies started as just doing inbound marketing services for agency, uh, for, for companies. As we've evolved, we've, we've grown more into a consulting and education company, uh, like you mentioned. So uh, we work with small to mid-sized clients. You know, we don't work with any big brands. Uh, they're all looking to get more from their website, more from their content. A lot of them have already bought into inbound marketing, digital marketing as a way of generating business, generating leads. Uh, they may have tried agencies before and they struggled with it, never really got off the ground. So we work with them to really build out their internal team, their internal capabilities. We support them with things that they, they don't do in-house but really, our goal is to get them to be self-sufficient with their own digital sales and marketing. And, uh, and how long have you guys been doing this? Uh, Brent, it, we just celebrated our 10th year in November. So I can't believe it's been 10 years already. <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, I'm sure time yeah, flies. Yeah, thank you. What's, it uh, really does. <laughs> what got you into this business to begin with? What was, what was it about an inbound agency or even running an agency in general? Like What, what kind of got you started? Just kind of into it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure a lot of agencies probably start the same way. I was uh, I just graduated college. I got a, a job at a um, local manufacturing company in my town, and I was doing marketing for them, just working on their website, helping them get whatever leads I could. This is 2017, 2018. 
I'm sorry, uh, 2007, 2008. And of course the, the market crashed. And, you know, I decided at that point for whatever reason, I was like, you know what? I, I don't really want to work for anybody. I want to start my own thing. I felt like it was a good time to do that. I knew people were looking to digital was, was really starting to pick up for businesses. I kind of knew what I was doing. And, uh, so I decided to quit my job and, and just become a freelancer. Uh, I was just working on my condo. I had no idea that this would actually turn into a, a full fledged agency. I just, you know, if I, if I can make some side money, enough money to, to pay my bills, uh, I was going to be happy. And, but once we got going into it, really started getting some, got the bug to, to hire some people and get an office and hire some more people. But, you know, obviously it wasn't easy doing that, but that's, you know, again, like I'm sure like most agencies just really just got started as, as a freelancer and just didn't know where it was going to end up. You mentioned going from freelance to agency, hire, hiring some people. I mean, was that just the result of, you know, people coming to you wanting, you know, wanting, you know, more, more people coming to you than, than you could handle personally. And did you have to make kind of a decision of, do I want to just do this as a freelance thing or do I actually want to start an agency? Like, did you even kind of understand what an agency was at that point? <laughs> uh, no, I really didn't. I never worked for an agency before. So I, I really didn't know what an agency was all about. Everything we learned, we kind of learned on the job on the fly. You know, I think we got involved in some like local chambers of commerce. Uh, I do remember at one point, like knocking on doors, going to like a local industrial park and, and doing that. We met a few people that, that along the way that referred a lot of business to us. I think that helped us a lot. But it was just very organic, very bootstrapped. And, you know, once there was enough business that I thought I could hire somebody, I, I would. Of course, the economy was, was terrible in, in 2009, 2010, 2011. So there was access to a lot of young talent come out of school that otherwise we would not have been able to afford. So we took advantage of that. And you know, create some some jobs very early on, but yeah, I think it was just it was really hustle trying to get some of our, our first clients. But I think just having a, a few people that really trusted us that would refer people to us, we got a little bit lucky there. That really helped us during that period as well. Now, I, I'm what's really interesting too is uh, my first two hires are still actually with me. Uh, we worked together now for for over nine years, and that's what's one of the, the really cool things about the company is that the people that we started this with have grown tremendously and taken on gigantic responsibilities and they've really worked on themselves, but we've learned everything the hard way and we've learned it together. What do you think it is about the culture that you've created that has kept them interested and engaged and growing within, within your, your company? I think a lot, especially the very early hires, um, when you're small, I never really hid anything from anybody. Um, we always try to be very transparent. It wasn't all you know, sunshine and rainbows. I mean, there were some some really tough periods. I think I was always very honest with everybody. Feedback very early on is is really important. So knowing that the team they had a voice, they were willing to to learn and, and, and contribute, but that it wasn't. I wasn't looking past that. I was paying attention to them. I, I cared about what they thought. We took a lot of action based on their their suggestions, especially very, very early on. Um, we did a lot of team things. We just tried to keep the team very close. So we did have a fun culture, but we also had a performance-driven culture where we wanted to succeed. We wanted to, to win. I think there's a lot of things we've done later on as we were more mature 
that we got much more intentional about our culture when it comes to things like vision and values and purpose. But early on, we weren't really doing any of that. It was, I mean, I'm sure we had values, even though we didn't define them. Um, I'm sure we had a purpose, even though we didn't define it. But I think just trying to just listen to each other, trying to always improve, always get better and having that as part of the culture. You know, myself constantly reading and trying to be a better leader and and even, you know, going outside the organization to get feedback on myself to, to find out, you know, how I could be a better CEO and better leader. But I think just everyone having that voice, that was, that was probably the most important part, especially when we were smaller. And because of that, they also grew with the company, they didn't have to leave. That makes sense. What are a couple of things that you did to create a culture? You said a performance-driven culture. What what mm-hmm. what does that what, what does that mean for you all first? And and what are some specific things that you did to create that kind of environment? Well, I think again, as we got a little bit more mature, we started really taking objectives and goals very seriously, um, making sure we we have KPIs for everybody and for everything. And we're measuring everything and become much more data-driven. Even today, I mean, we're much better now than we were two years ago at that. So it's making sure we have all that front and center, visible, everything's being tracked. We're holding people accountable to that. I think to the culture, it means also bringing people in that thrive in that environment. And they like the challenge. They want the challenge. They want to be held accountable. Um, Not everyone's like that and not all agencies are like that. You know, we're a very, very fast paced company and we change rapidly. I mean, I wouldn't even say we we change fast. I mean, we will restructure the company and and, and make some big plays and make some big bets. And we'll try to go as fast as we possibly can because the market is changing so fast. And we're listening to feedback from our customers. We're listening to feedback from our employees. And we're not going to just sit around and know that there's a better way of doing things. We're going to try to put that into action right away and get data on, okay, now we took this giant step. This is what we learned from that. Now we're going to take another giant step. So we're constantly changing to to get better and better and better, all working towards some very, very big goals. And just like any business consulting or any business, you know, any business book that you read, it's like we have a long-term vision and we have like a three-year vision that we're really working towards. There's metrics around that three-year vision. We keep walking that back. If we're going to be on track for our three-year vision, what do we have to do this year? What do we have to do this quarter? What do we have to do this month? And what do all of us have to do individually this month to combine to get to where we want to be this month so we could be where we want to be this year and be this quarter? So books like Scaling Up, books like Traction, especially over the last few years, we've implemented systems like that in the company. That's helped us be even more performance-driven, more focused, more data-oriented. And, and because of that, we're, you know, we're making progress towards where we want to be in the next three years. You mentioned earlier that uh, you have sought outside mentorship or, or, or you know, feedback yeah. on you as a leader, you as a CEO. That's something I've... Uh, I personally am, am doing a lot of work on right now, and I know a lot of our listeners are probably thinking about how do, how do they show up as a better CEO? What were some surprising yeah. things when you did that <laughs> that maybe maybe you can uh, divulge? Just like maybe some things that maybe you weren't doing so well. Yeah. So uh, a mentor of mine is actually my uncle. Yeah, I started meeting with him regularly, just talk about the business, and he would give me some different ideas. 
but he kept saying, you have to have a 360 feedback survey done. You have to have a 360. You have to have a 360. And that was the one thing he kept like harping on. And I was like, so I, I, I got to do it. Um, I found somebody in my town who, um, uh, is a coach, but does these feedback surveys. He'll facilitate them with the organization. Very, very professional, um, very thorough survey. Um, and then he'll work with me based on the feedback and help me build a plan so that I can improve. Can, can, can you give our audience, yeah, can you give our audience a little bit, maybe you're about to explain that of what, what is a 360 survey? It sounds very specific. Yeah. So 360, I mean, it's, it's basically 360. It's all the people around you. So if you, if I had a boss, it would be my boss. My direct reports would be my peers. It'd also be like family and friends, but it's like a 360 of everyone around you giving feedback on you. Um, he did it two different ways. He did a quantitative. So he asked the same questions like in a survey form and people would score one through five. And I do, I do the, the same survey myself. He also did a qualitative where he did interviews, deep interviews with, with select people. And I never had anything like this done on me before. Uh, what came back was this like beautiful printed book and all this information. And as I'm reading through it, it was gut-wrenching. It was some of the hardest things that I've ever heard in my life. And I definitely recommend that all leaders do this because I think that the biggest eye-opening thing that you'll find is like, the way you view yourself and the way you want to be perceived and the, what you want to bring to the world and how you really feel and you, you, you like your honest truth may not always align with the way people are viewing you, like your employees. My employees don't know that I went months, months without taking a paycheck. I've had people being paid more than I was being paid. I've done things to save jobs. I've done so many things go out of my way. But there were people in the survey that said, Bob only cares about his personal brand and his financial well-being. And it was like, <laughs> that could not be further from the truth. But that and was it, their reality, it, it right? I mean, so much. That was their, but like, that's, that's the thing. That's what they believed because they didn't, they weren't like, they're not in Bob's head, right? That's exactly right. That's just, and, you know, I'm sure it was probably not a direct report of mine. It was probably somebody maybe I didn't spend a lot of time with. It could have been somebody that was just in a different area of the business. And that's just how they viewed me. So I have fixed that. The only person that could fix that was me. One, one of the things I did after I had that survey, there were some really good things in there. And there was a very clear themes. And there was like, okay, these are things I have to work on. They were t- even tough to admit. But I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. Of course, there were some outliers. And my coach worked through all that with me. But I stood in front of the entire company at an all-hands meeting. I said, thank you so much for filling out the survey. It means so much to me that you did this. And I'm going to be a better leader because of it. This is what I heard. And I was very clear uh, and, uh, and I shared the results with the entire company. I gave them the opportunity to read the entire thing if they wanted. And I said, because of this feedback, this is what I chose that I'm going to be working on over the next three months, next six months, next year. This is my plan because of that. I think that built a lot of trust with the team that I was actually willing to do that. It was very, very hard to do. I'm sure it was, I was shaking. I'm sure I was like, you know, again, even teared up going through it. But but that helped me a lot. Uh, and, and, you know, that was in 2015, I think I did it the first time. And I had another one done last year. Different results. I was able to handle it better because I've already been through the process once before. But now there are new things I have to continue to work on. And I would say feedback is... Brian Halligan from HubSpot once told me, like, uh, breakfast is the feedback of champions. And, breakfast, uh, and, and, and feedback really is a gift. 
And, you know, you take all this and just try to be a better leader. Do you feel like you closed the gap? Because uh, you, you mentioned earlier, right? There's, there's kind of how you view yourself and then there's how others view you kind of more of like the reality, right? How is, how is Bob actually being perceived in, in the world? Uh, do you feel like over those four years, you closed the gap on those, on those main themes? I would definitely say there's areas where there were problem areas that are not problems anymore. You know, when I first had the FX survey done, I think we were 25 employees and now we're 70. It's a much different thing. Are there new problems that creep up? I'm not interacting with everybody. There's different perceptions, I'm sure. I don't think if I, I really truly think if I didn't do that feedback survey when we were 25 people, that we would ever have the ability to grow to, to 70. I wouldn't have been able to be the leader and known what I needed to know to take that big of a leap from an organizational size. So I don't think it's, it's not like there's an end zone. I don't think anyone's ever going to be perfect. Uh, you're always going to have strengths. You're always going to have areas for improvement. You could focus on five things, but then other things that you weren't focused on can become a problem. So I think just a continuous cycle of improvement, knowing that there's no end zone. So Bob, with the, you know, you mentioned that one very specific example of where somebody thought, um, you know, Bob only cares about his, his own stuff and making money or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, and, and then you mentioned your personal history of deep sacrifice that was behind the scenes that people in the business didn't know about. I mean, my, almost my first response is like, you know, do you go in front of everybody like, Dang it! Like I've I've done you know you, you don't like advertise like your sacrifices right so I, I'm curious like with with something like that like is the solution to just spend more time with the team to change the perception or or did you find yourself like getting defensive and maybe even just directly addressing like specific things that just straight up weren't they weren't truth yeah. like you know I think that's where a really good leadership team comes in. I would be nothing without my leadership team. Uh, again, some of these people have been with me for a lot of years. They really get me. They understand me. They are, hey, hey Brett, you know, you, you run agency. Anyone listens to this that runs agencies knows exactly how it is. It could be very lonely. It could be very frustrating. No one really gets what you're going through. Uh, everyone's got their own unique situations, but there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of tough times. It's not always fun. I am so blessed that I have the group of, of eight people that are on my leadership team that really get me through the tough times when I just need to, somebody to vent to, and I can just be completely irrational. And I know I'm venting. I tell them, hey, I'm just venting, but I got to get out. And they're like, Bob, just get it out. Get it out. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And these guys will really say like, you know, Bob can't go and tell the team that they're wrong, but you know, there are things that we can say, there are things that we can do to help him and support him in, in these moments. So that is a very big lesson I've learned is the the importance of having a really strong support system, but a really strong leadership team. They make you look a lot better than you really are. And my team has made me look a lot better than I really am for the last 10 years. So that's... Uh, yeah, because I, I, you're right. You can't just go up in the front of the company and say, <laughs> you guys have no idea the sacrifices that I've made, although sometimes you might want to. But it's nice when when you have somebody that's like, you know, I just want to say something about Bob because you guys don't realize that there's so many things that, that Bob has done that he would never talk about, but I'll talk about them for, for him. 
And that makes a huge difference. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast so I can focus on getting my clients' results and building a successful and profitable agency. If you're looking for a new CMS, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more info at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. Sometimes when I intro these episodes, uh, one of my my goals is to grab people's attention to to pull them in. And I kind of mentioned some brag points about you, about doing uh, over $10 million in, in revenue last year and also in, in having over 70 employees. I think it's really easy for people to think about companies of, of your size and think, gosh, man, it must've just been up and to the right for Bob. Like, you know, like obviously Bob has just been successful <laughs> since the day he, you know, that he, that he graduated uh, the central Connecticut state university, right? Like you, you must just be, everything's been perfect for you. Is that uh, oh, clearly obviously? Yeah, obviously. Right. Like, is that, that, that's your story, right, Bob? No way. No, no, no way. No way. And that's like, and this is the problem, especially with digital agencies, I've noticed is that, you know, everyone wants to have the shiny watches and nicest shoes and nicest jackets when they go to these digital agency events or they go to, you know, marketing events and they walk around like nothing stinks. Right. But the, in reality, it, it's a business and every business has its peaks and its valleys. And there are, when I look back at my 10 years, there were times where we were just flying, like, we just have a year or just like a quarter where it's just like so up and to the right and it's great, but that's just like a moment. That's like when everything is clicking and when everything clicks, things start breaking and impact for the last 10 years, it has been up and down, up and down. You hit a ceiling, you get stuck. You don't know how to break through that ceiling. And I think one of the biggest problems is that we're not talking about these things enough with each other. We're not supporting each other enough as agencies because i think most agency owners to your point they just think everything's like everyone else is is doing this so look at all these great agencies like what's wrong with me what's wrong with us why can't we do it when reality like we're all going through the same issues Uh, and there are very clear issues that people have at different sizes we've gone through all of them and, and we're still going through a lot of them things we fixed three years ago are now broken again and it just never stops you just have to, you know, keep grinding through it. And, and again, there will be, you know, um, a season that we'll go through where everything will be clicking and things will just be flying. Um, I'll tell you right now, be very honest. We're not in one of those seasons right now. We're, we're figuring a lot of things out. We've never been 70 people before. It's the first time we've done that, which comes with some unique and interesting challenges. But for for us to get through this, I think what one thing that makes our team very special is we love the challenge. We love saying, okay, here's another obstacle. How are we going to figure it out? And that's the fun of, of running agencies is you can't shut down when things get tough. You have to get excited and you have to get creative and you have to want to solve problems. Um, and that's that's really what we're going through right now. Was there a size as you went from you freelancer to now over over 70 people was there a size or a specific time where the future of the agency whether you were going to even be in business was at question oh yeah uh absolutely 25 people in agency right from what i've experienced 
it is the toughest time for agencies. I can't always like, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons. I think the primary reason is that's the point where the company starts outgrowing the founder. Most agencies, just because of the economics of agencies, and you know, it's not like we're funded, we're all bootstrapped, we afford what we can't afford. And usually it's around that point where the founder can't be the best salesperson, they can't be the best person for the clients, can't be the best marketer, can't be the best speaker, can't be the best of everything, can't be the, the bookkeeper and the finance person. And it's just the company's too big to, to do that. And that's like the really the, the biggest ceiling I get. I see agencies get stuck. Now, and I say 25, I think that's like the, the high end of it. I think they'll start feeling that around like 12 people to 25. That's a very, very tough period. He felt that much more closer to 25. And I'm not sure why, but I see a lot of agencies hit at 12. And it's not like we're better than them. It's in many ways, they're much better and more organized and process-driven and great people than even we were at that size. But we hit it really hard at 25. We were stuck there for three years um, where we couldn't really break through that ceiling. And there was like the summer of 2015 where we were losing $25,000 a month and we for for several months in a row and we were running out of money we were laying people off it was the scariest time uh in our agency's history but you know again if had we not gone through that i don't know if we would have learned what we what we now know and those are lessons that without you know lessons and mistakes that we won't make again because we learned that way. Can you give me some um, examples of that? Yeah. I mean, obviously burning 25K a month. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, well, that, I that's think, you I know, think... there's only so many months you can, you can, you can do that. I mean, I've, I've had both with my agency business and now with you gurus. I mean, we've had stretches of time where, where that was, that was the reality, you know, 25, 30, 40, 50 K a month in, in lost revenue or not, I'm sorry, not even lost revenue, like, like losses, like net income, negative net income of the month. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, what were some yeah. of the things oh, yeah. that you, that you had to figure out at that time? Like what, what was wrong? And then what did you have to make right? What was wrong is that for starters, we weren't staffed appropriately. So we were putting people in positions where they couldn't succeed because they weren't at that level of their, their career yet to be able to succeed. They were, they were very much over their heads. Um, they were very, very frustrated because they couldn't figure it out. and It wasn't fair, um, which also hurt our clients because the clients, we weren't fulfilling our promises for clients. So, so clients were, you know, pack up and leaving in some situations asking for refunds. When you say over their heads, the thing that comes to mind for me is that maybe these were more junior, less expensive folks. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and, and most, and, and most agencies make this mistake. Most agencies, they think, Oh, we'll just hire kids right out of school and we'll train them. And you know, within you know, three months, they're going to be awesome. They're going to learn our way and they're not going to be tainted by things they've learned at other agencies. And, I just, you know, we, we, we drank that Kool-Aid for a short period of time. It didn't work out well for us. So, um, you know, we, we value experience way more now than we ever did before. People that have gone through different agencies, seen different situations, gotten in trouble with clients, how to work their way through it. And, and they bring a much more mature and much, um, much more experienced and proven track record to our clients. We value that significantly now. And because of that, 
you know, our clients have learned the hard way with agencies. They don't want to go through that again. So they'll pay a premium to have that as well. So we, we so we learned that lesson and, and we did a lot of things over the years to, to rectify that. A lot of that came down to our, our hiring process for the, for the most part, hiring, onboarding, one-on-ones, management and leadership. So, so all of that component of just like really having a good HR component to the organization. And I think the, the other thing that also was causing a lot of chaos during that period of time is, is that no one really knew where the organization was going. No one knew the long-term like vision or how they fit into that vision or what their career path looked like. And, you know, they didn't see themselves at our company in two or three years. Not that my original hires, but there was a big gap between like the original people that started the company with me. And then we went through this period where we were hiring, but we were just like this rotating door of people coming in and out. And people saw us as like a place to get a start and then go somewhere else. So we had to fix that. In fact, a few of my, you know, my, my, my leadership team came to me and said like, this is the problem is that people just don't see their future here at Impact. And we said, well, we got to see that. And like, oh, we got to fix that. And I was like, I see the problem. Like, you know, how could they see their future at Impact? Because we don't even know what the future of Impact looks like. <laughs> so how could, how could they know? Because we never actually went through like a visioning process. And I will tell you, that was one of the most important things we, we had ever done as a company is actually sit down, brain dump of what this company will look like in three years if we just hit all of our goals, do all things that we want to do written as if we had already done that. So I started the process by brain dumping. I brought to my leadership team, brought to the entire company, actually. Got a lot of feedback from everybody. There's a lot of other great contributions that were made by the team. And we documented this this two or three-page vision of, of what the company would look like had we hit all of our goals in three years. And since they all had a say in it, they were all part of it. It was exciting. It was different. It was unique. It was fulfilling. We, at that point, we launched that vision for 12 months. Nobody quit the company. So the biggest problem we had was like this was turnover. We couldn't keep people for more than six months. It was like every week we were hiring somebody because somebody else was quitting. It was just like we were just this rotating doors causing chaos for our clients. And all of a sudden, we put a vision in place, stabilized the entire company. And, and the summer of 2015 was so bad. The fall and the winter in early 2016 was one of the best and most thriving periods of time for Impact. We had grown tremendously over those those six months. And I honestly think it's because we got our retention under control. I only had the right people in the right seats. And we had the vision. And, and the vision, everyone knew where we were going. Um, and really, really put everything in perspective. So that was a... That was like our story of like the one of the worst times and how we got through it. A lot of companies have a vision. I think something that I've picked up from what you just went through that is different than what I normally hear is that you solicited input and and insights from mm-hmm. your whole team in that process. And in your visioning process was was kind of a, a company-wide process where you got buy-in and ideas from other people. And it sounds like you even just listened to where people wanted to head. So, I mean, I think it's so common and I've, I've fallen into this where, you know, you you go off to to mount entrepreneur and you come back and deliver the vision to the company. And I think what you guys did is is really smart and, and powerful. And it, it's it's 
maybe even counterintuitive, which is going to to the people in the company and trusting them to share in that process a little bit, which I think is hard. And I think that's really cool that you guys did that. It, it, you're right. It was a lot of it was about buy-in. Uh, it was about self-discovery because I think deep down we all kind of knew a good amount of it at the same time. But the 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 biggest benefit we got from it was ownership because it wasn't Bob's vision. It was our vision. Like we all felt like this is our vision. We're all working towards this together. And that was, that was the magic that, that, that made that happen. That's awesome, man. This has been, uh, this has been fantastic, Bob. I've got, I've got a lot of notes, man. I'm inspired. I feel like you've given me uh, a lot of nuggets to be, to personally become a better leader. I mean, I, I'm serious, man. Like I, I really appreciate that. And I know if I'm feeling that, I think our, our listeners are feeling that, uh, as well, which is, which is really awesome. So, so thanks for that. Are you ready? Uh, oh, so, so glad, man. So much fun. Yeah. Are you ready for our lightning round? Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. What is the, uh, what is the best advice you've ever received? It's gotta be around feedback. Uh, so it'd probably be the feedback is a gift and, and to embrace feedback. And then once you have feedback, make sure you're taking action on it. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? OCD. <laughs> um, uh, reading, reading. I think when I really started to embrace learning and reading and I went through a period of time where I just read a ton of business books that really helped shape and put a lot of things in perspective. So I would say reading and learning. Can you share an internet resource or tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? An internet resource, uh, scaling up any of the, you know, go, go to Gazelle's website, read some of their articles, read the books, scaling up. Um, they've got a lot of online tools as well. I, we are all in on scaling up at impact right now. We hired a coach for it. That is, that is my jam right now. What book would you recommend and why besides Vern Harnish's scaling up? <laughs> Vern Harnish scaling up anything by Jim Collins. I would also add in good. The great, great by choice would be probably the top two. I would recommend. Awesome. Well, those are all, uh, I think those are some of the fundamental business books that every entrepreneur should read. So I love hearing, hearing you throw out Jim Collins stuff. I think when I was early in my agency, I think his, his stuff was like some of the very first business books I ever read. Uh, was like built to last and he stuff is, like that. He is, the, he is the nicest guy. I'll, I'll share a really, really quick Jim Collins story too, because in 2015, we had read all of his books and I found his email online. I emailed him and told him how we read his books. We started putting things into practice he wrote right back and asked if he could send me autographed copies of his books. And I was just like, wait, what? Jim Collins just emailed me back and he's going to send me autographed copies. He sent me all of his books signed, personalized. Dear Bob, keep the flywheel spinning Jim Collins. Four years later, I had not talked to him since. All of a sudden he has a new book come out and it shows up in my office. Hey Bob, keep the flywheel turning. And this is the new uh, supplement to great, uh, uh, good to great. In 2019, he sends me his newest book. He was just the nicest guy too. That's pretty. Lessons that's from, pretty from incredible. That I'm, I'm hoping that like all of our listeners don't just email <laughs> email Jim Collins. <laughs> I would be like, hey man, heard you heard you giving all your books to Bob Ruffalo, right? Um, but, but that's awesome. Dude. I mean, I love. I mean, I think that shows. I think that says a lot about somebody that like that that cares uh, at that level about their work that they, um, you yeah. know, that they're, that they're highly engaged with their, with their customer. Right. So, I mean, I think he probably drinks his own Kool-Aid, uh, from his books and, and all that good stuff. So that's really cool. 
So if, if you guys are listening to this uh, on, on the road or on a run and you want to uh, grab links out to all those cool books that, uh, that Bob just mentioned, as well as some key takeaways, gold nuggets from this episode, check that out at our show notes page, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. You'll find Bob's episode right up there at the top. If you're listening to this the week of, click on that and you're going to get all sorts of goodies. Bob, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, so impactbnd.com for our website. We have our conference, Digital Sales and Marketing World. So you can check that out, digitalsalesandmarketingworld.com. On Facebook, we have our group, Impact Elite. On LinkedIn, so Bob Ruffalo, find me on there. Those would be the best ways to get in touch with me. Sweet, man. Well, we will also add those to our show notes page and have links out to uh, to your agency as well as all of the great resources that you can find on our show notes there at uh, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Go to our website, click on podcast, and you'll find all that stuff there just like always. Bob, thank you so much for uh, stopping by the program today. Yeah, Brent, my, my pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out today, I want to check on your answer to my questions from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead gen problem. Maybe it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or mobile app, but they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, I want to invite you to apply for a free agency freedom session where you can dig into those underlying issues in your business and get moving like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answer to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your agency freedom session today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show.